0: Hey there, I'm Ian.
1: And I'm Rachel.
0: And we want to welcome you to our Building Contenders podcast.
1: Here we share messages, sermons, and our weekly conversations to equip you to contend for the kingdom of God.
0: We hope you enjoy it. Blessings.
1: Blessings. Uh, just before Ian is speaking, I wanted to share something that happened this week. And uh, just really as an encouragement for all of us. So what night was it, two nights ago? Doesn't matter, it was a few nights ago. And it's all a blare, everything blends. And uh, when you get old, it's like, was that, was that last week? Was that last night? Was that 10 years ago? <laughs> so, so I've been on this journey with the Lord, you know, just pursuing Him. It always feels like it's you pursuing Him, right? And um, at times. And so we heard this helicopter outside our room, or outside our house. It was like, if you see, we're watching a crime film, <laughs> like Law and Order, you know. And uh, the next thing we hear this helicopter, and the helicopter is like, give yourself up, give yourself up. And we're like, what's happening? And so we all rush out to the balcony and there's the helicopter circling and there's some policemen with torches and there's dogs barking and they're, Oh, flashlights. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you for translating that. I'm bilingual. And so they're like, give yourself up where we're setting the dogs on you. Right? So, they didn't catch the guy. Um, apparently, he was somewhere. So we're locking all the doors. <laughs> we're like, "I love California." And so anyway, we we'll go to bed. Everything is good. And the next thing, at 3:20, I hear this, and I'm like, I jump out of my sleep. And I sleep with earplugs in. <laughs> Somebody might or may not snore. I'm not just. I'm not. So um, I sleep with the earplugs in, and but I heard this, and I jumped up and I'm like, is that that guy? <laughs> and I looked out the window, and I ran. I didn't go downstairs, but I'm like, you know, what? you go down, you you stand and you listen. Is there any noise? And then I'm like, Rachel, that wasn't in the physical, that was in the spiritual. You've heard it in the spirit. It was, a, it was in my spirit. It's happened a few times, but this time it was like a, a hurried knock. It was at 3.20. And Revelation 3.20 oh, yeah. <laughs> says, behold, I'm standing at the door knocking if your heart is open to hear my voice and open the door within i will come into you and feast with you and you will feast with me and i was just thinking like that was an invitation from the lord on the back of what the law couldn't do <laughs> you know the physical law couldn't couldn't find what the law couldn't do the lord can do and, you know, we're prophetic. Everything means something. So it was just that sense of the Lord pursuing pursuing us. And I think we are in a time and a season of being pursued if we recognize the signs, if we can recognize what he's doing. Um, I think just to be being aware of what the Lord wants to do, he is... He is so hungry to know us and to be known by us and that he wakes you up in the middle of the night, like in this, with the sound of knocking and says, if you, if you open the door and that whole uh, scripture in the Hebrew is, is that sense of the bridegroom is waiting at the door, waiting. Will she say yes? Will she open up the door and say absolutely yes? That's what ha- that's in the tradition at the time that, that's what it was. It was the bridegroom stood at the door and waited to see if she would open the door. And so I'm like, yes, yes, yes <laughs> So I just want to encourage us that um, he is pursuing, if we have eyes to see and ears to hear what the spirit is doing right now.
0: Awesome. Well, I'm good, so let's worship. No, just <laughs> Can you stretch your set? Uh, how many people were there last night? All right. For, listen, tell nobody. All right. They missed out, and they c- should continue to miss out, in my humble opinion. So... Um, so it's, it's not fair. Fever is not fair. Never said favour was fair. Fever is just not fair. Um, but it was incredible. Um, I mean, it was absolutely incredible, uh, but I'm not telling you what it was. So there you go. <laughs> uh, Meanie McNasty, I'm just being... <laughs> um, we, we had an outbreak. We have it recorded. We had an outbreak of uh, an angelic choir joining us last night. And I mean, it's happened. I've certainly been there before, uh, but I've never experienced it to that extent. And even it was going on and on and on, and I I sort of like, you know, sometimes the Holy Spirit moves in waves. In fact, I would say almost all the time, the Holy Spirit moves in waves. And if you, you know, it's like, oh, Holy Spirit, that was great. And then you're like, oh, that was great. Well, it might not be over. You should just stay in that place and let another wave hit you. And that's kind of the way it was last night. It was like, okay, they, it sort of quietened down. You know, it came into land, and then it just took off again. So it was pretty, pretty amazing. And I don't think I've ever... I don't think I've ever known it where as many people have experienced exactly the same thing in the room. Um, that we had a... You know, we went there together. Um, so that was... That was a great way to finish a Seer conference. To be quite honest, so <laughs> with an actual experience that people experience, like, oh my goodness, it's real, it's happening. All right. So uh, Micah texted me yesterday. Um, they asked, like, uh, I think it was 73 people if they could speak. They even went and spoke to a homeless guy on the beach and. <laughs> He said no, so they finally came to me, and I said, sure, why not, Um, and uh, it's my fault that we're not doing the rest thing, because I just, I have never prepared a message on rest, so there was that. and I didn't want to sort of do a drive-by thing, you know, squeeze it into one of the messages and say, you know, contend for your destiny, and don't forget to rest in Jesus' name. <laughs> I didn't want to do that. Um, and I, I do think that if it's on, I mean, I know they're watching because they're texting me. Um, <laughs> so um, yeah, and I know I know what it's like when you have a when you have a vision for something and a burden for for something that's. Uh, it's hard giving it away to somebody else so but i wonder where we'll go this morning why don't you just reach your hands out to me and say help him jesus um i i don't actually i don't do that i don't do that lightly so The most important thing that we build in our families, our businesses, our churches, our metrons, all of that, the most important thing we can build is not a program. It's not like I'm super excited about what's happening with the prophetic here at Beach Chapel, Far and in the region, but the most important thing you can build is not a program, but a culture. You, You operate in a culture. You don't operate in a cultural vacuum. Listen, we are cultural experts. We... Um, we have come here from a different culture, and it's different. And we are from a different culture. All of us are actually participants in a different culture. We are from heaven. We're supposed to be ambassadors of heaven's culture. We're supposed to look like heaven. And, and it's, you know, building this culture, and, and we, we, we make cultural gaffes all the time. When we come over, we first come over twenty years ago, it was actually twenty years ago this weekend we came over to be interviewed um, to for a youth pastor job in a church in Chicago which and then we moved three months later uh, we moved our move everything in three months right and let's go let's move four thousand miles west with our two young children in three months because God has said so uh, that should give you a little idea of why I don't have a sermon on rest uh, so so we arrive here, and I, I meet this guy who has become one of our closest friends. And, you know, I, I said, well, what do you work at? And he tells me what he works at. And I said, so how much does that pay? How much do you earn doing that? And he's like, well, well, enough. And I realized, oh, you don't ask people how much they earn here in the United States. That's one of the things you don't do. That's a little, that's a little cultural faux pas. You know, I, I was walking down the street one day, we were just here, and I was wearing what I thought were perfectly normal um, trousers, right? Oh, look, there's another thing. Someone said to me at one point, I love your pants, and I'm like, what, you can see my pants? Because <laughs> these, these aren't pants where we come from, these are trousers. Pants are what you wear underneath your trousers. Really nice pants. What? So a little cultural gas. I'm walking along the street in Oak Park, which is a very progressive community, um, like very progressive, and I'm wearing these European trousers that come to, you know, about six inches and they're, they're crunched. There's a little elastic around them. I think, I think I'm super hip and trendy. I, have, I literally have cars slowing down. So, <laughs> And listen, you know, we, we, we have a huge transvestite community in the town we lived in and all that. So people are used to saying strange things, but they were literally, what is he wearing? <laughs> Cultural gas, right? <laughs> I'm, in, I'm in our youth group and I say, hey, you know, I was writing something down. I said, hey, does anybody have a rubber? And they're like, What? <laughs> You need a parental permission slip to talk like that. I'm like, what, what? An eraser, okay. I'm looking for an eraser right now. Cultural gaps, right? But culture is everything. We build culture. Like, culture is about what you value. It's actually about your language. If you've ever participated in a sport, you know that that sport has its own particular language. Right? If, you know... How do how do you know if someone does CrossFit? Well, don't worry; they'll tell you about it. You don't need to know; they'll tell you about it. You know, within thirty seconds of meeting them, right? It it, it has their own. How do you know someone's a vegan? Again, don't worry about it; they will tell you. So, sorry for all the vegans. So we've got this. We got this kind of, and all of those little niches has their own language. They have their own language. They have their own values. Their own traditions. And um, heaven is no different. And and what heaven does is, is that it transcends uh, geographical, cultural, and even people group cultures. So if if you're say say we're doing you know the say we're doing the culture of honor and people are like well just in my culture we, we don't do that Yeah, but, but your culture is heaven. It's not Ireland. Right? You know, in Ireland, we don't really do that. Our culture of honour actually means something completely different. And if you're familiar, the original culture, the original book called The Culture of Honour is all about the Hatfield and McCoys, which are from Ulster Scots. They are some Scots-Irish, which simply means if you insult me, I'm going to kill your entire family. And that book is called The Culture of Honour because honour is exaggerated. You know, so... We, we don't get away with bringing our culture into heaven, and the most important thing we can do is actually create a culture here on earth, and it's a culture that should look like heaven. So, what does heaven look like? Like, what, what are the values of heaven? Like, is, are the values of heaven um, misery? Like we kind of know that. If you read your Bible and you know the Holy Spirit, you kind of know that the fruit of the Spirit is not misery. It's not serious. Right? Seriousness is not a fruit of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> like, you know, let's, let's get real. When did getting real mean let's get real negative? Let's get real. God is still on his throne. God is still ridiculously good. His plans for me are not for calamity, right? But to prosper me. Let's get real. There's a story in Luke chapter one. And it goes something like this. This, this is... This is Zachariah, who's a priest, he's at the temple, and uh, it says this, all at once an angel of the Lord appeared, I'm reading from the Passion Translation, Luke chapter one, all at once an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing just to the right of the altar of incense, um, which is real, I, lo- I love some of the details that some of the, you know, Luke's obviously a doctor and a Gentile, so he's trying to make sense of all this, um, Zachariah was startled and overwhelmed with fear. I saw this angel, and it was all blue lights, and it was amazing. No, no, this guy is like, woof. Like, this isn't getting into the zone, right? This isn't getting into the sort of mystical zone where we're going to, you know, just meditate for five minutes and then worship for 40, and then, oh, I think I see something. No, this is, boom, big angel, Gabriel. Gabriel. One of the four archangels, or seven if you read some Jewish myth. But the angel reassured him saying, don't be afraid. Okay, that's super helpful, right? Have you noticed that that's really helpful when you're afraid of someone saying, well, just don't be? (laughs) Why didn't I think of that? (laughs) Great. Good job, Gabriel don't be afraid zachariah god is showing grace to you for i have come to tell you that your prayer for a child has been answered your wife elizabeth will bear you a son and you, this is a pretty specific prophetic word here you will bear your wife elizabeth will bear you a son and you're to name him john his birth will bring you much joy and gladness Many will rejoice because of him, and he will be one of the great ones in the sight of God. He will drink no wine or strong drink, but he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even while he's still in the mother's womb, and he will persuade many in Israel to convert and turn back to the Lord their God. He will go before the Lord as a forerunner with the same power and anointing as Elijah the prophet." He will be instrumental in turning the hearts of the fathers in tenderness back to their children and the hearts of the disobedient back to to the wisdom of their righteous fathers. And he will prepare a united people who are ready for the Lord's appearing. Isn't that a great prophetic word? Wow. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, you know, you just get one of those words, I I hope someone recorded it and... You know, that was amazing. And Zachariah asked the angel, how do you expect me to believe this? How do you expect me to believe this? I'm an old man and my wife is too old to give me a child. What sign are you going to give me for proof? Be careful what you ask for, right? What sign are you going to give me for proof? Like, okay. Angel, terrified, overwhelmed with fear. Shabbat, I don't believe you. (laughs) Then the angel said, I am Gabriel. I stand beside, listen, you you can feel that he's a little bit, um, what's the word? ticked off. Let's go for that. All right? Uh, I stand beside God himself. He has sent me to announce to you this good news. But now, since you do not believe my words, you will be stricken, silent and unable to speak until the day my words have been fulfilled at their appointed time and a child is born to you. That's going to be your sign. But (laughs) So what do you know about heaven from that? Like, what, what do you understand about heaven? This is Gabriel. He says, listen, I stand before Yahweh. I, I stand right before Yahweh. And I'm telling you this is going to happen. So what do you understand about heaven's culture? Is heaven's culture the sort of thing that if you make one wrong move, you're going to get struck dumb? Heaven's culture in this, what we're learning about heaven's culture is, well, a couple of things. I think there's a couple of things. One of them is that there's times when God is just the way maker. And great song selection for this morning. You must be very prophetic. <laughs> so when, when, I, when, I, when I travel, uh, it's one of the things I, that interests me is like what songs are the songs of the moment within the church so for about 18 months wherever we'd go we'd hear this is how i fight my battles and then we discovered maybe it's not how we fight our battles (laughs) right then we come into a battle and whether that battle was against COVID or fear or isolation or control or freedom or whatever we came to a battle and we discovered oh we probably try to resort to some other tools to fight this battle I fight my battle with Doritos and French onion dip, you know. <laughs> I don't, I don't. I used to, I don't anymore. But you know, you know, when we travel at the minute, the number one song that we encounter everywhere is Waymaker. And, and I think there's something that God is saying about the Waymaker song. So what God does is he cooperates with us. This is a partnership with, with Yahweh to, to see his kingdom come. We, he's always wanted to do that. That's why he chose Adam and Eve to you know rule the earth and all that kind of stuff. He has always chosen a person and a people to move through the earth, always. And, but there are times when he's like, I need you to make space for me. I'm going to need you to get out of my way because I'm about to do something. Now, there's a reason the church is singing that so much, because I have such expectancy that God is actually asking us at the minute, I'm going to need you to move out of the way. So when the queen is driving down in her little golden carriage uh, through the streets of London, she's not asking permission. She's saying, I- I'm going to need you to get out of my way. And it's not her that does it. It's obviously, obviously her armies that do it. And you know, so, so the word hosts, like the Lord of hosts is very simply, he is the God of the armies of heaven. That's what that hosts means. It's the, the angel armies or the armies of heaven. And there, there is uh, a, a sort of thing happening at, at the minute um, where the, the, you're ready to get a little bit weird. I haven't shared this a lot. Uh, a couple of months ago, I'm, I'm, I'm with the Lord, and what I see is I see these, uh, uh, like, lightning strikes on the ground, like, all over the place, and throughout, throughout this region, I see these lightning strikes hitting the ground. If you're familiar with that movie, War of the Worlds, uh, what Tom Cruise was in, it was like these alien ships sort of, like, piercing the ground and staying dormant, and that's what God was doing. He was actually putting in these sort of sleeper angels that they're being given to churches uh, at, at the minute. And they're, they're sort of, they're here, but but they're not mobilized. And it's like there's coming a time when there's going to be a signal that goes out and they're actually mobilized. There's a signal going to come out from heaven, and these these heavenly creatures are going to actually be mobilized and we'll make a way for them. Right? So that that's part of the reason I think we're making Waymaker the song of the moment. It's not because, it's not this dysfunctional hunger for God to move. Right? It's not this dysfunctional desperation. If my children ever tell me they're desperate for me, I have done a bad job as a father. Anyway, if Rachel says, you know, oh, I'm so, spend time with me. I'm, I'm not being a great husband at that minute, and he is a good father. So anyway, so that's, that's, that's what God is doing right here. Right here, the culture of heaven is telling you there are times when I, Yahweh, I'm going to move and I need you to shut up and get out of the way. That's what he's doing. I actually need you to be quiet, get off your social media, stop making everybody else the demon in this, and get out of my way because I'm not on anybody's side. <laughs> but he's all my... Sa- mm. <laughs> mm. Joshua, you know, Joshua sees this huge, you know, angel of the Lord. Are you for us or against us? Neither. I'm for heaven. And you're not all of heaven. Uh, do you know, that? you know that? You know that we're all walking in some degree of error, right? None of us have got the whole thing. So heaven's going to be on heaven's side all the time. And there's times God will, you know, most of the 99% of the time God is working with us to see the kingdom come, right? He's working with us. He's just, but there's times he's actually going to just kick them out of the garden. And there's times he's going to come in and say, okay, I'm going to need you to move to the side because I'm going to walk down here and I don't want you all to die. And that's what he's doing right here. One of the other things you're learning about heaven in this story um, is that you have great power and authority. You have great power and authority. So there is this statement, there's this principle that nothing happens in the kingdom without a declaration nothing you know nothing angels announce the birth of, of the messiah right god speaks and creations nothing happens without it being spoken nothing right you've got but but the thing is because we carry yahweh the spirit of christ in us it makes our words really important that you can create with what you speak. Now listen, if if I'm tired and you say to me, hey Ian, how you feel, I'm I'm gonna go, I'm tired. If you say don't speak that over yourself, I'm not, I'm answering your question. Just to be clear, I'm not getting superstitious about it. I'm, I'm not gonna do that. But when it comes to stuff that we partner with the Spirit, we need to make sure that we're partnering with the Holy Spirit hey, Jesus, these people didn't listen to you. Shall we call down fire? You don't know what spirit you're of. He didn't say you can't, you're not, you don't have the ability to do it. What Jesus is actually implying that whole time is like you could do that, but you'd be partnering with a different spirit. You'd be partnering with a spirit of despair, a spirit of discouragement, and a spirit of disappointment. And how often do we, do we partner with those spirits? You know there's no spirit of despair in heaven. It's not one of the angelic rites. And you, you're going to be the spirit of despair. So if you could just walk around telling everybody that the sky is falling, that would be great. Not a heavenly role at all. Well, I feel it's my job in the church to point out the flaws. Not a job in heaven. Let's actually called the accuser. So, we're learning in this story that your words will create something. Now, simply by speaking something doesn't mean it's going to happen, right? Um, I am the owner of a Dodge Viper. Can someone check and see if it just appeared? Right? I know it's not a very, I know people say, well, if you're going to want a car, want something that's, you know, like a Ferrari, something nice in Italian or an Aston Martin DB10 or something like that. You know, want something, listen, this is pure American muscle. That's what I want. That's, that's the kind of car I want. Something that you know if you spin out, you're dead. That kind of, that's the kind of thing I want to have that much power. Anyway. But, but what, what you're learning is that if you partner with a spirit by the declaration that you're creating a space for something to be built. Let me give you an example. If you partner with heaven in your declarations, if you're actually resonating with heaven, so if God says something... So Jesus said, I only say what I, what I hear the Father saying. If you say something that you hear the Father saying, and we miss the opportunity with our prophetic words. We, we miss it all the time because we're just waiting on something happening. No, we need to engage it and steward the prophecy. And we need to say, God, you have spoken. I am gonna, I'm going to speak this out. I look forward to the day when X happens. I am am in great anticipation of you being the way maker for this and actually speaking it out and create a space for something to be built in exactly the same way you can create disbelief. Well, it looks like it's never going to happen. That's what this guy is doing. Like, he, this, this, is, this is a priest. I am an old man, and my wife is too old to give me a child. Though, are, is that, are those the facts? Is it the truth? No. They are, facts are not the same as truth. I can recognize the facts, but I can declare the truth, right? That, that, that this will not prevail. That this storm, I will remain sleeping in the middle of this storm, And and I can start to declare the truth. That this storm has actually come to build the word inside of me so that it can be built around me. Do you understand that? Like it needs to be built. I need to have the capacity to hold the word that God wants to release. Jesus says himself in, is it John 12? So there're plenty of other things that I want to tell you, but you can't bear them. And the reason you can't bear them, he wants to give you it every he wants to give you everything, but you can't bear it because you haven't built the reps. You haven't built the reps and learning how to deal with this despite the obstacles. And what we speak it's, it's no point, like he could have picked another sign. I'm going to give you a sign which is a star in the sky. I'm going to give you a sign that is, you'll walk out of here, you'll see, you know, three crows. You're, I'm going to give you a different sign. But no, the sign that he gave was necessary for the fulfillment of the promise. So this, the sign that he gave was pretty straightforward. It was I need you to shut up, right? I'm going to need, heaven needs you to shut up because if you keep speaking what's not, it's going to be not. I can't afford your words to influence what I need to happen. That there's times we need to be silent. If you can't speak it, if you can't get around the word that God has given you, if you can't build up hope, if you can't raise your level of expectancy to the place that God is going to move no matter what, then you need to get out of the way. And you need to be quiet. That's what we're learning about the culture of heaven right here is that heaven wants to work with us, but if you're not prepared to do it, I'm going to ask you to move aside. I mean, the culture of heaven has to be, listen, I love the United States of America. Unlike many of you, I have come here because I've been called and I've chosen to love it. I've fallen in love with it. We have. And, and here we get an assignment in, in San Diego and we've fallen in love with you all. Like, really? Um, there's, there's, anyway. <clears throat> but there's this kind of weird thing that happens is that with no patience. When, when, when we don't deal with disappointment, we end up speaking the words from a different kingdom. When, when we haven't wrestled that disappointment to the ground, we speak words of a different kingdom and it's not the kingdom, it's not the culture of heaven. The culture of heaven is, you know, our culture here is, I said this totally randomly, so I'm gonna use it again. Our culture is that I believe God has spoken and that there will be a three foot six uh, man A Japanese man wearing a a Navy admiral's uniform will appear at 3.33 at the door. And that's my my expectation. And I'm gonna, that's my expectation. I'm gonna declare it and march around it. And this is what's gonna happen. That's gonna happen. And it's 3.34 and they haven't appeared. And then I get, oh. And I might've had 12 prophets around the world prophesying that that was actually gonna happen. That's specific. And I go, oh. Oh, I don't know what to do. I'm so disappointed. I'm devastated. Because we forget that when we build up an expectation, hear me out, when we build up a specific expectation, that the danger is we're setting ourselves up for disappointment. Now, that can either sound really hopeful are really hopeless. So we shouldn't have any expectation. I don't think we should have any expectation. I think we should build, like it is in heaven, a culture of expectancy, not expectation, expectancy. When this three foot six guy hasn't shown up at my door, I give up and everything, and I start to speak the words from a different kingdom. Meanwhile, God's over here saying, I have no idea what you're doing over here, but this is gonna take me two years to build. This thing here is gonna take me four years to build. I just need you to be in that place of expectancy because you have got this, this river of reputation that runs through the very core of my life that says he will never let me down. He has never once let me down. Have I been disappointed? Oh yes. But he has never let me down. Not once has he failed to show up. Here, like the, 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 I love scripture. I love scripture. I love it when it says that Jesus rose while it was still dark. Like he didn't wait until it was light and everything was fine. And you know, morning has come. Morning has broken. Hallelujah. And no, in the middle of the night, while it was still dark, Jesus rose. Like it's it's not when everything we're believing everything is just going to be, you know, rainbows and unicorns. This this is tested in us, and the thing that's being tested is: do we believe he is who he says he is? That he is faithful. Listen, he he is so committed to. Be, look, anybody have ink? Anybody have ink? Who has ink? Right, you know this is a commitment. <laughs> right. This is not a little henna tattoo that's going to go, that we do for an afternoon and say that was amazing, right? This is a commitment. Um, Rachel had, Rachel got her first ink last year. You got your first tattoo. We have the coordinates. We have the coordinates of where we first met when I was 15. Oh <laughs> I, I have one set of them. She has another set of them. And when they're together, when we hold hands, it's where we first met. Doesn't that, stop stop so and and actually it's come anyway moving on dear yes um okay it's an, it's our anniversary on thursday and we'll be in detroit so uh 32 years rachel says if she had a killed me she'd been out by now but uh would <laughs> have been a free woman but Right, this, this is a commitment. You know that, God, that Jesus is actually so committed to faithfulness that he got it tattooed on his thigh. It says in the book of Revelation that on his robe and on his thigh, faithful and true. Right? Like this is important to him. This is his very nature. There is nobody in heaven going, I don't know if he'll do this this time. Like all, all the, all the elders and the living creatures and the archangels and the angels and the heavenly beings, they're not wondering whether God's going to come through for us as, a, as individuals, as a church, as a region, as a nation. They're not, they're not wondering about it. They're wondering why we're over there expecting the, expecting the three foot six guy to show up. They're, they're banking on their ex. Expectancy is on the character and nature of Yahweh himself, who is never, never going to let you down. It might look different. Listen, we know it looks different. Right? We know it looks way different. I, I'm going to go with his different every single time. So we, we, we need to build up this culture of Expectancy that even when it seems like everything is going, it's going into darkness, I, you know, there's this thing at the minute, I, I have a weird, I have a weird view of, of God. I believe that when He says we're moving from glory to glory with increasing glory, that's what we're doing. Imagine that. Um, I believe that when He says of the increase of His government and of peace, like, you have no peace when you have an expectation. In fact, it's full of agitation and anxiety. But when you have an expectancy on the nature of God, you have this river of reputation that he has never done. You're going to be at peace. You're going to be able to sleep in the back of the boat. Right? You're going to be able to sleep in the back of the boat because it's like this. Oh, my God. And people are going, there's a storm. There's a storm. And they're like, yeah, but I, I know him. I know that it, it it's... It's interesting, Scripture doesn't say the promise is faithful. It says he who promised is faithful. He's faithful. Turn to somebody and say he's faithful. Somebody needs to hear that. Somebody needs to hear that. He is faithful. Like the the strategic level spiritual warfare stuff that's going on is not, it's not about whether Jesus is God. It's about whether God is good. Like, it's the nature of God that's being challenged, that God is good. God is good. And I know we should all say all the time, but listen, he's, he's gooder than that. Like, He is more good than you can possibly imagine. And that's the river of reputation He has in my life. And I would guarantee in your life that He has been good throughout your days. He has been good. Now, let's draw on that rather than getting fussed fussy over an expectation that didn't come true. God is looking for a people at the minute that can actually stand. I read this. I was going to read it out from, from Psalms, what we're pressing on. It's from the book of Psalms, and it says that there are these people that when they're in the valley of tears, that they can dig deep. They can actually dig deep. In, in that moment of disappointment where you're disappointed, that we, we have a people that can dig deep into the ground and realize that this is not about the surface tears. This is about the, the brook that is provided underneath the ground that, that is supplied by the, by the waters from an outpouring. That's what it says. Psalms 84. That we're looking for a people that can actually dig deep. And some of us have to do that every day. There are seasons in life where you're going to have to do that every day. You're going to wake up, and immediately you'll be confronted with the lies of the enemy that are looking for you to partner with it with your, with your speech. And we have to make a decision that in that moment, I'm actually going to dig deep beyond what I hear the voices of the enemy and say, oh, there you are. There you are. withstand. So, God, we want to be a people that can dig deep. And I, please don't hear me. I'm not saying about manning up or cowboying up or pull yourself up your bootstraps. I'm, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about finding the one who loves you more than his own life. And, and even in the midst of... Here's the thing. Every loss that we experience on earth is temporal. There is coming a day will be your first day in heaven and he will make everything new. Every loss, and some of us have had, like I think even of Henry and his mother and we've lost our parents since being here and every loss is temporal because there's coming a day but every victory, every time you can go to a victory, moving from victory and achieving a victory, every victory is eternal. Every time you win, like God wants a people that are that are winning. And that because the very nature and culture of heaven is victory. They're not worried about what the enemy's doing, I promise you they're preparing for increase and for the more. So God, I pray that we would be a people that can dig deep past a ground that that is moist with our tears and dig deeper into that ground and we find the river of God. Lord, for each of us, I pray that your kingdom would come and that your will would be done in Jesus' name.